0: Go. All right. I'm Diane. I'm a compulsive overreader and I share until 915 and I've tried to try. this is kind of cool. I get 25 minutes to talk about me. (laughs) Um, Gosh, it's good to be here. Um, I I have been in these rooms. Next month will be 29 years. I've done that perfectly. Uh, I have never, ever left. Ever from the first day I came in. At one point I had a 12 year relapse, which I destroyed by a two day sugar binge. At another point I had, and then after that I had a nine year abstinence, which I destroyed by eating a drumstick in between meals. Interesting, eh? The road gets narrower. At this point I'm a year and a half abstinent. I'm down about 45 pounds and I'm the thinnest I've been since I came to the rooms, which is, which is interesting. It's been a very slow, very steady, very rocky, very difficult, at times frustrating journey. Um, I haven't done it like everybody else. I've done it my way and everybody does it their way. So that's not a problem, is it? Um, I also need to emphasize this. I come from major binge eating Major. All of us know the stories. I come from bags and boxes strewn over the bed, crumbs all over the bed. I come from eating in the car and almost getting in accidents. I come from leaving sleeping infants alone in a house so I could go out to 7-Eleven and get my binge foods. I come from sneaking into bathrooms during parties with pockets full of stuff, shoving it down. I come from eating out of the freezer. I come from eating out of garbage pails. The binges would come over me and I was done and I was gone. I come from deep depression. I come from anger and rage at a lot of people, a lot of sarcasm. I come from fear that I woke up with every morning of my life until fairly recently, maybe about 10 years ago. My stomach in a knot, Would I get through the day. I come from pretty much atheism to agnosticism to a higher power that I call my higher power, which still is not God with a capital G that governs the world. I don't have that kind of God, but I have a spiritual life. I come from junk food, nonstop chocolate, non stop my favorite, good and plenty. <laughs> The reason I wanted to go to the movies was so I can get my good and plenty in my popcorn. I mean, was there any other, you know, of course, I'm a movie buff, too. So I don't even know why I said that. But the bottom line is I come from crap eating to totally healthy. I love salads. I love salads. I do. I love the crunch of them. I love the healthiness of them, the freshness of them. I love yogurt. I love tofu. And this is the truth. I love my food, by the way. I have not given up food as pleasure. It's very pleasurable, but it's all healthy stuff. And slowly but surely, it lets me lose weight and become a nicer, better person. So that's been the journey for the 29 years. That's, that's the arc. Um, My weight has always been a problem to me. I I remember feeling fat about five or six years old. I remember that. My first diet was probably, oh, I come from major dieting. Okay, I mean, I'm 71 years old. There is not a diet in the last 50 years, 55 years that I did not do. Usually the first time successfully until, of course, I put the weight back on, you know, 50 pounds off, 60 back. And the second time, for a little while, until I couldn't do it again, because it was kind of like asking a whore to believe in virginity again, you know. (laughs) It had not, it had not worked. (laughs) See, I knew that I had put it back on, so why was I going back to the same place? Well, maybe this time it would, right? You know, that magic thinking, this is the day, this is the first day of the rest of my life when I'm going to finally be on the path, that's going to let me take off the weight, that's going to make me thin, that's going to make me happy, that's going to make all my dreams come true. That was the thing I woke up with every morning. I woke up sometimes happy because I'd made it to day two or day three or week seven. And then I'd wake up the next morning hating myself because why couldn't I? Why couldn't? What was wrong with me? I had this great brain. I had gifts. I had a, well, so-so family. They, bless them, they tried. Before he died, I made total peace with my father and amends and all of the stuff that he did do, he did do. He, he couldn't help it. He just kind of wrecked me from men <laughs> for much of my life, you know. But before he died, I made my amends to the things about him that I had done wrong. Usually in retaliation, but, you know, it doesn't matter. We make amends. And he died, and we were close when he died. And I loved him when he died. And I didn't love him almost all of my life. My mother was drawn into a lot of arguments in the house between my father and my very difficult sister. She died of our disease in 2005. She was 315 pounds on the um, coroner's table. Uh, She was a coke addict. She was an alcoholic and she was an overeater. Um, I tried to 12-step her, but you can't hear it from a sister that you're jealous of and hate a little bit. So, you know, she um, poor baby. Poor baby. I just saw a picture of my mother was one of three and, and three women, girls, women, females. And each of them had two children. So there's six cousins. And we're all very close. And I just saw a picture of the six of us the last time before my sister died, um, taken in 2002. And even then, my sister looks wrong. She's big and she's bloated and she doesn't look like the rest of us. The rest of us. Poor thing. And I do have an enormous amount of compassion. While she lived, I had about two hours patience for her. And then I had to leave. I, I really had a rough time with her. And I didn't love her and I didn't love her. But I guess I kind of loved her. But mostly I felt sorry for her. It was a rough house. I was happier on the street playing with my friends and binging. I was so happy when I binged. It, I did, it felt wonderful. And it worked. I think it really worked in the sense of giving me a little bit of armor in a very difficult household where I, I think I was under a dining room table with a cloth hanging down, listening to them yell at each other. The rage in that household was huge, and all I wanted them to do was stop fighting and pay attention to me. That's the truth. I felt invisible. I felt invisible. Hello, I'm here. Nah, nobody. Nobody. I put my arms up to be hugged. Nobody picked me up. That's my remember. Now I think probably that's a little dramatic, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It was a very very difficult time. I binged. I worried about my how I looked. Um, I think I've said this before at this meeting when it was back in the uh, in the log cabin that I used to be very self-conscious when I'd have a lover, so I'd back out of the room so they didn't see my butt, you know, because somehow I had fooled them into thinking that, except for my butt, I was okay. <laughs> I mean, what could I do to make them want to pay attention to me and love me? I was very promiscuous for quite a while. Did, don't, that only lasts about five, six years, thank you, God. And it was before AIDS, aren't I lucky? Um, anyway... I did diet and diet. I have two children that I adore and who are lovely, wonderful human beings and marvelous specimens. And um, I raised them pretty much alone because their father, who I had divorced 18 months earlier, died. Um, And I raised them alone and I supported them alone. And that was a lot of the stomach-churning fear. And I ate, and I ate, and I ate. I was the heaviest probably ever in my life uh, right before I asked for the divorce because it was a horrendous thing to do with young children. They were six and eight. Um, I walked into the rooms the first time in 1983. It was the Beverly Hills meeting and I walked in and I heard the God stuff and I left. Um, Excuse me. I um, I, anything to do with God with a capital G was a, a true turnoff to me. I did not see, the big book tells us to see where religions are right. In other words, they have some wonderful things. They have a sense of community. They have all kinds of, they're marvelous in far as giving, you know, nonprofit stuff and all that stuff. And, and they give a lot of people a home that don't have a home. But I never, never saw that then. I saw all the wars and all the bigotry that religion had fostered. And that was it. I was gone. So that was 1983. I had some more eating to do. And interestingly enough, I fell in love in 1985. And I didn't lose weight. It was probably the first time. Usually that high, I was sort of like, oh, I don't have to eat. I'm in love. I, I didn't have it. Maybe because I was older, too. I was in my 40s. But, but um, all of a sudden, the next year, 1986... This is why I walked into the room. I tried one more diet. Have you given me the timer yet? Oh, how wonderful. I tried one more diet. I don't remember what it was this time. It was Pritikin, Stillman, Atkins, Fenfen, Pregnant Things, Shots, (laughs) Optifast twice. I mean, all of them, all of them. Zone, okay. I went on the diet that was finally going to do it. And it was um, in January, I think, of 1986. And I did not last two days. And I realized with this sinking feeling in my gut that I didn't have another diet in me. I just didn't. And I haven't. I do not diet in these rooms. I will not feel like my hand's going to be slapped if I eat something. That I'm a bad girl if I don't follow this list. Gray sheet never worked for me, those of you who have been around for a while. It's too much deprivation for me. That's all. It feels like a diet. Anything that I have been able to do as far as food, as far as what I eat today, as far as what I don't eat today, as far as my abstinence, has all come from a higher power because I can't tolerate the thought of a diet. And I still can't. And I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I have gone to Weight Watchers a couple of times while in the rooms, just, just for the weight, because, you know, it's a perfectly decent nu- nutritional thing, except when they say you can have unlimited amounts of anything. There's no way that you can tell an addict that they can have an unlimited amount of anything. I'm sorry. I will overdose on Brussels sprouts and fart for the rest of my life, probably. <laughs> But that's not okay for me. But it's, you know, it's perfectly fine if somebody's looking for a nutritionist. It's fine. Thank you. What do I have now? My dear, how wonderful. Okay. What I want to talk about now is my higher power for a minute. No, first I'm going to talk about my abstinence. It's changed over the years. The road has gotten narrow. Very narrow. I work harder in my program today to keep what I have than I did when I first came in. Much harder which is an interesting concept because I want it to be the other way. I want it to get easier and I can skate for a while and go along and I'll be wonderful because I'm done and I'm fixed. I'm not fixed. My disease, which was a very strong, strong voice in my head for so many years, binge, eat that, that'll taste good, that'll fix it, you'll be good, it'll be fine, who cares? All those wonderful voices. It's not loud like that anymore. It's much more subtle. It's a little tiny whisper from this little shoulder into this little ear. It's not anything like it used to be. And it's devastating because you know what? We can have 55 years of abstinence and one bite will take us out. It never goes away. That much I can tell you. It never goes away. We may not coast. It just doesn't work. So the abstinence I used to have was, I was struck abstinent December 22nd 1995 because I was reaching for yet one more piece of candy from some Christmas party at something and this little voice came into my head and said if you eat that you will never recover and I mean it I didn't, it wasn't an actual voice it was just the gut and I put down the candy and that's that 12-year abstinence up till then I'd been in the room's nine years and hadn't been able to have a back-to-back anything I'd tried everything couldn't do it so that was the first one that sugar so sugar is definitely out then my doctor said to help my metabolism I should eat five times a day and I said oh, goody. you know that was exciting because I, I couldn't tolerate the hunger in between meals when I tried to shoehorn myself into three meals a day I couldn't do it I couldn't tolerate it it's terrifying. I have a story that I've told at a few meetings. I am in my crib. I am a child. I am hungry every two, two and a half hours. My mother, she's told me this story, is standing on the other side of the closed door, her fingers in her ears with tears streaming down her face because the doctor said it had to be every four hours. So she couldn't feed me until it was four hours. So I cried for an hour and a half. I am still that infant If I don't get fed right away, or let me say I used to because I'm a lot better now. But the feeling is if the waitress doesn't come quickly enough, if the food doesn't come quickly enough, if no one's paying attention to me when I'm doing this and trying to get somebody's attention, I get, well, enraged, but sad, lonely, quite sure no one will ever fix me, no one will ever take care of me. So that's where all that comes from. I'm quite sure that's pretty heavy stuff. So I did three meals a day and I kind of followed a food, but sort of balancing protein and carbs and fats, but kind of generally loosely kind of gave up. You know, didn't have didn't have chips too often, didn't have stuff. You know, once in a while we get a little uh, And what's happened over the my my new sponsor, I have a new sponsor working with almost two years now. And she's changed my life again. She said to let you all know how much I've changed. (laughs) And I said program does that. But I have changed. I've become much more specific about what I eat. That's why a drumstick, that's not a can uh, uh, a cone that's a chicken drumstick um, (laughs) took me out after nine years of abstinence because my abstinence now is I do not eat in between meals and snacks no matter what I do not eat after dinner no matter what because that was my big binge time and I do not eat any sugary desserts no matter what and that's my abstinence And that's my one year and a half abstinence and I don't get slips. I do my abstinence perfectly or I start over. And by the way, it's fine to start over. It's a good lesson for the newcomer. It's a good lesson for those who are struggling. I have no shame about starting over. If I have to, I have to. I don't have anything to prove to all of you anymore. I don't. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. There's no secret handshake that lets me be one of the big kids. It's done. But the bottom line is, I don't get to do that anymore. And now, in this last year, she said, what do you think about trying three meals a day instead of the, <gasps> I mean, the panic, the rage, the, excuse me. I mean, I, I'm very smart. I am really good with words. I was going to tell her what she could do with that suggestion. And she heard the defensiveness, and she said, just think about it. And I realized it just came down to, as the big book says, as everything does, fear. Fear, that little child in the crib that's not going to be fed. And that if I were indeed hungry, I was in danger of losing my abstinence. If I experience hunger, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I can't be responsible for what's going to happen if I'm hungry. And that, that's, that's a child, isn't it? And it's so interesting. But I tried it. And, you know, it's fine. I mean, I get hungry. Because I do. I get hungry. Sometimes I have to go six, seven hours in between a meal. You know what? I don't like it. It's okay. And I also have, by the way, an optional snack. Should I need it? If it's going to be eight, nine hours, I have a snack. But I commit it first. I do not have a snack unless I have run it by my sponsor. That's why I love texting. For many reasons, I don't love texting. For this program, I love texting. You know, it's great. The bottom line is... I do a 10-step every single night, a very rigorous one, not just to hide. yes, it was a fine day, or I felt sad. No, I do as I resentful. Was I afraid? Was I good to other people? Was I All the stuff that's in the book book. I do that every night. And I also commit my food for the next day. And if it changes, I let my sponsor know. And sometimes I still eat too much. Sometimes I'll take an extra piece of chicken in the meal. And just, oh, this is a wonderful one. Last night, I was going to put, okay, so I'm going to uh, one of those uh, Persian Mediterranean restaurants today. My nephew and his wife are taking me out for lunch. And I look at the menu online because I'm a good girl, right? Okay. And I look at it and it occurs to me that the Mediterranean plate with all this stuff is, would be a great thing to do. And I have to have something to soak it up with. So I'm going to have a half of a pita. Now, I don't eat bread. Thank you. And I have how many more minutes? You're the best. I don't eat bread as a rule, but it's not on my abstinence because sometimes I want to throw a few croutons on a salad at a salad bar. Sometimes I do a little and it's it really is OK. It doesn't seem to have set me off, but I kind of know that if I actually have bread, it'll take me out. But it's not on my abstinence because I want the option because I'm not on a diet. See, this is how it is. I want the option. So I told her that that's what I'm having today and I'm going to have a half a piece of pita because I have to soak up the hummus I mean what am I going to soak it up with otherwise you know and this morning I woke up and the minute I woke up I went nah not having the pita that was higher power that was higher power texted her she said yay that's all not having it that's it not having the pita because you know what why am I fucking around with this stuff oh, am I supposed to watch my language whatever okay um, I've actually been good so far haven't I yeah so anyway um, dreams that's how my higher power came to me that's what I want to tell you also I had no higher power for nine years none I tried I kind of got the concept that I wasn't the higher power because obviously if I were this marvelous brain of mine would have figured out how to get thin <laughs> and it just hadn't it hadn't so i said okay i give so i'm not a higher power don't like the god thing not really good about that but so i would kind of send things out into the universe that's all just i didn't have a universe that would embrace me just not it it's not in my head anymore it's good and that's about the best i could do as far as the 11th step went and or step two and three and then it came to me in a dream and I dreams. I often wake up knowing what my higher power wants me to do, which is kind of astonishing. And I have this woman, female, anyway, don't have face, robed figure. For those of you who might have heard me, this is my robed figure. She embraces me. She picks me up. The little child that wasn't picked up, she picks me up. And she even picks up the grown-up me sometimes. And I have to make her a lot bigger when she does it. But that's, how, I mean, that's just the, a mental image. She warms me. She loves me. She comforts me. She wants only the best for me. She approves of me. She gives me unconditional approval and love. Who doesn't want that in their lives? That's what I've been looking for in human beings all my life and never found one. This one does. It keeps me company when I'm lonely. It keeps me company when I have to go into a difficult situation. I wrap myself in her this is my, you know this is in my head of course I don't actually have a cloak that does that um, so it's wonderful it came in a dream and I've had it ever since it's just a joy and by the way you may borrow it all you want and I will tell you that this brain of mine could probably logically say yeah you just invented that the way man invented God you invented this higher power and you're kind of bullshitting yourself and you've made it so that you can stay in the rooms and you know that's a good logical argument I don't care it may even be true, I don't care it's not important, it works and you know that's all I care about I'm not here to prove or disprove the existence of God I'm not here to settle the great arguments of the world this is it, it works for me I pray and meditate every single morning I give thanks changes, I'm a nice person today I used to think nice was the worst word in the world I love being nice. I'm kind to people. I'm not angry anymore. I'm gentle. I love reading on acceptance and the last part, expectations. Oh boy, is that a big one. I don't expect things of people anymore. I take life on life's terms. Life is not fair or unfair. It simply is. It's neutral. It doesn't have emotions. It just is. And you take it. And I have two... Brilliant, wonderful, old-time friends, both of whom, one who just lost her 45-year-old daughter and one whose son, her 41-year-old son, is dying of cancer. I have those two friends in my life right, right now. I can't tolerate the thought of losing a child. It is absolutely unacceptable. What can I do for them? I can grieve with them. I can listen to them. I can hug them. I can love them. I can't intrude on their grief. I can't fix it. I can't tell them they're there. It will be fine. Bullshit. It will never be fine. And that's life. And you embrace it, and then you don't expect, you don't have all this, oh, I'm disappointed. You don't have all that. You just go, that's how it is. And I have a higher power who takes me through, gets me through whatever life handles, hands to me. I don't think that higher power controls who has cancer. Why, hello. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that higher power actually has anything to do with what actually happens in life. It's here for me to make life tolerable. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of O-Readers Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. I'm going to be restating your question in case there's a problem. Who would like to ask me a question? Yes. Thank you very, very much. What's your name? Um, Carol. Hi, Carol. <coughs> Would I, I talk about how I've let go most of my rage and resentment? What, oh, gee, I don't know. Um, no, it, this is the answer I might give to almost everything. I've never stopped coming, and the program seems to have worked on me in little drips and drabs and surprised me when things were gone. But I will say that the reason that I had so much anger, always was that people weren't in my mind paying attention to me they weren't listening to me they weren't doing it my way i'm still not great on the road when people mess me up cut me off you know i get really but that's about the only time i used to cry when i was enraged because i i was i couldn't i and i hated myself for crying because it showed weakness So I've always dealt a lot with rage. What's happened over the years, a lot of fourth-step work, a lot of piecemeal ten-step work. When enraged, admitting it, not being fearful of admitting I'm enraged, not being shame-based about. You know, we have so many emotions and we're allowed every single one of them. We must not feel bad for feeling emotions ever. The work has been to not show it to others and hurt others with it. So over time, this higher power, fear, it's always about fear. Need to control, always about fear. It is, it's always about fear. Fear, I won't get what I I need, what I'm asking for. That's what rage is. Rage is that. Getting back at people who are not saying you're enough or you're special, or you're loved, or whatever it is. So over time, all the writing, praying, I say the seven-step prayer, and I say all my character defects every single morning and ask my higher power to take those defects, there there came a softening. I can now be in a room with somebody who's enraged, even at me, and what happens is I detach in that moment and go, hmm, they got some pretty messed up stuff going on right now. I'll wait till they finish, and then I'll say, I can't hear you when you're yelling at me. But if you have something you'd like to say to me, I'll be glad to listen. I actually learned that in the rooms. I hope that helps. Process time. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, when, when, I'm assuming you were working during, during your. Work I've been working right? always. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how do you balance your program and the amount of work that comes with that, and two children by yourself, and you know the whole? whole uh, how do I balance work and children and, and program? Progress and program. Mmm. How did I do that? Uh, I didn't actually find program until my kids were. um, See, in 1986, my daughter was 13 and my son was 11. So by that time, we're not. I wasn't talking about toddlers. They were in school, all that stuff. Uh, There were some years I had to have live in help in the house uh, because I'm freelance. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm, you know, so I I, 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 I didn't ever knew when I was going to have to be called out. Um, I always went to two or three meetings a week, no matter what. That much I can tell you. And I always called a sponsor at set times, whatever the sponsor was, whoever the sponsor I always did that. I always did the work asked of me, even though it was piecemeal. And so, I mean, it took me like a year to do my first, four, maybe two years to do my first fourth step. But when I did, it was a novel. I mean, I had to do it in three or four readings, you know. Um, so what can I say? I made program really important. I'd find babysitters. I'd do whatever I had to do. It was that important to me. It is the last house on the block. And I kind of knew that when I came in the rooms. I knew that if I couldn't make it here, (laughs) I was in a lot of trouble. There's a pit of despair right down there. And I stand on the edge of it all the time. I just, I can go right there. I can go into depression and suicide. I'm quite sure. I can do what my sister did, get to 315 pounds. So I had enough fear to make me work hard. That's kind of how I, I did it. Yes? Someone's new, they ask you to the sponsor them. What specific direction do you give them? What, 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 what's your name? Dane. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not, you don't have to identify yourself. I, I, I forgot that about this meeting. <laughs> Forgive me, Dane. That's okay. okay. Um, when I work with a newcomer, you know, it's been a long time since I worked with a newcomer. Um, interesting question. Most of the people that ask me to sponsor them are usually they've been around for a long time. They're having a lot of trouble in the rooms. They don't know what to do. And they come to me and I, I'm so aware of what they're feeling. I'm, I plug right in. What I do do is I ask them right away to tell me what an abstinence would look like that's completely comfortable for them, even if it's three binges a day. That's, that I know I do do. What, let's stop that eating as soon as possible. If we can. If we can't, we can't. I do get them started on uh, the first step, reading it and writing on it. I have a little thing I give for writing. Um, I do recommend two to three meetings a week and I give them a time to call me that is specific and that needs to be followed because I can't take calls haphazardly all through the day. My day doesn't work that way. So I have people in the rooms right now. I call my sponsor at six. One calls me at 610 another calls me at 630 and the one that usually calls me at 620 can't be here because she's working today that's very specific and it's a responsibility and if they can't follow that responsibility I don't get angry I don't get mad I just say this is the time I've set out for you I also tell them I'm not your mother I'm not your shrink I'm not your best friend I'm your sponsor so if you're looking to me for the other things it's probably not going to happen and you know it's a little blunt but it really helps I hope that helps yes Carol thanks for your um can you talk a little bit about what I call the fine line between not beating yourself up because it's counterproductive and letting yourself get away with murder? Oh, isn't that a wonderful question? Not beating myself up and, and, uh, and, and like, letting... How do you negotiate that? The, the bottom line is I had that problem for many, many years. And what I've discovered is that I don't let myself get away with murder. I really don't. When I stop beating myself up, the truth is, I don't fall apart and become this sloppy, procrastinating a-hole. You know, I don't. I always thought I did. That was what... But, but you tell me not to beat myself up, but if I'm not on my case, I won't... Da, 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 da. Well, look where me not being on my case has gotten me. To self-loathing, self-judgment, waking up in the morning, hating myself... What I've found is, and I have pretty much, it's the most amazing thing. There are days, I seem to work in spurts creatively. Well, there are days when I literally sit, because my kids are gone and I have some pensions and a thing. I literally sit and read or watch TV all day. And in the old days, I used to go, hate myself, got to get up, got to do something, got to do something. Oh my God, I'm a slob, I'm a procrastinator. I've gotten to the point where I get to do that. I get to sit and read or watch TV all day. I'm 71 years old. I've earned my place on the sofa. I'm fine. <laughs> my food is clean. My food is clean. I've been to the meeting I want to go. I've talked to my sponsor, my sponsors. I wrote my 10th step last night. Everyone knows what I'm going to eat today. I do not hate myself. I accept myself. And what happens almost always, Carol is the next day the spurt comes and I'm in there working and I'm doing 10 hours. It's who I am. It's who I am. An acceptance of yourself and your own process, instead of trying to shoehorn it into somebody else's process or some fiction about how a real whatever does something. That's insane. Self-acceptance. Yes? Thanks, Diane. Um, so that means I can go home and watch TV all day. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> so my question is, I'm a parent as well and uh, a couple weeks ago my kid had some <coughs> ass and I was angry at my higher power that. okay uh, well, uh, the experience of not getting angry at your higher power when bad stuff happens to your kids yeah. I don't think it's a higher power problem when stuff happens to my kids I mean, I don't have that higher power. It's that simple, Michael. I don't have my daughter was in a terrible car accident and I thought she was dead and she was lying in the middle of I mean, a bike accident car hitter lying in the middle of the road, blood pouring out of her head. I I, I I was called out of the house. I came there and I went, I'm never going to recover from this. My, my daughter's dead. I went right to myself, needless to say, it was the before program. But OK. And then I went, wait, maybe she isn't dead. <laughs> Let's call, you know, okay. I never thought God did that to her. That's not the God I have. See, if I had that God, what do I do about the Holocaust? What do I do about people who die way too young? What do I do about starvation in Africa? I don't have that God. And that's why I'm, it's such an easier journey for me. It really is. It's just an easier journey for me. I think that's called life. Some people are taken before their time. Some children get sick. We all die. That's my answer. Oh yeah, no, no. I, 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 I hear you. I got gotcha. you. Yes. Um, along with the same line, thank you for your share. Um, when you talked about life isn't fair or unfair, life just is. I think surrender, right? How do you? differentiate surrender from resignation what a wonderful question how do i differentiate surrender from resignation resignation sounds passive and giving up to me that's like okay and my thing is more okay that happened next it's kind of the serenity prayer if you think about it grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change not resign myself to the things because that's that has no energy behind it acceptance has energy it really does it's like I don't like the fact that this is happening what can I do about it I go nothing I can't help it I let it go I surrender it and then I take the action I can does that help at all good Anybody else? Yes. Um, can you talk about how your relationship with your So much. Oh, I love it. How my relationship <laughs> with my children has, cha- have, has changed. Um, am I almost time? When do I start? When do I start? Uh, yeah. Five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. Great. Um, my daughter was very difficult the entire time of her growing up. She, she was a pain in the ass. You know, oh, I hope she's going to... Oh, she's probably going to hear this. All right. Anyway, uh, but she knows. She was... She woke up with a black cloud over her head and was, has never been... She thinks life isn't fair. And she's one of the best examples of that kind of thinking. So we, had, we, had, we were not very close. And I used to scream at her a lot. I made amends later. I screamed at her all the time. She made me absolutely nuts. I never you know, never got violent physically. But I got into the rooms as I said, when she was 13. And it really started working. By the time she was... 23, 24, we sort of started really getting closer. And she's my best friend today. And she's my best friend because we have learned something. She used to hate when I gave advice. And by the way, I hate being given advice. And yet I used to do it all the time as a mother. What a concept, right? Anyway, we now go. She pours her heart out to me. And I see her skewed thinking. She's, she just went right to the dark side and right to self. And I say to her, would you like feedback and that started I mean I do that now somebody's like pouring her stuff out at me in program and I say would you like feedback because they might have just needed to dump and that's fine too you know and that's what I do and now she says mom I need your advice here's what and she goes on we get along great my son I don't know he broke the he, he's from God he's wonderful he's wonderful we get along we've never not gotten along he broke the umbilicus at about age three and never listened to me again <laughs> and he's wonderful and I adore him and he gave me grandchildren so I really adore him <laughs> who else nobody has nobody else which is fine yes one more, yeah, one more of course exercise do I do it absolutely because I'm 71 years old I have arthritis I have a bad back my knees will need surgery and hips at some point in future I do exercise and I eat a little bit more than probably I should in quotes and so I exercise to help that I want to still have my humongous salads they give me pleasure They do. The salads are huge that I have for lunch. I usually have smaller breakfast and smaller dinner. But but it's all cucumbers and mushrooms. I mean, nothing. No calories. It's more calories to chew them than, you know, that goes down. But I do. I I walk about three times a, uh, a week. And I love to walk. And I walk in the hills. I live in Silver Lake, so I walk in the hills behind my house. And I go to an exercise program. But I have to always watch the back and the knees. Yes, I exercise. And by the way, it feels great. If I'm depressed, because I still get depressed, I'm not, you know, this is not the perfect human being you're seeing here. I get depressed. I have emotions. Always when I walk, it makes me feel better. Rapid walking. Yes. Yes. Um, what, is the, what's the concept of what does it look like? <laughs> Physically? What is it? The image in my head? Yeah. Mostly, I feel her wrapping herself around me and I say, take it. And I don't have a physical, I don't have a mental image of it. It's just having said it and having her be there. It's like it's absorbed like a sponge into her. So I don't have to anymore. It's the most amazing thing, this higher power stuff. It really, really is. And this from an atheist, and I know... Are, well, we're actually pretty much kind of done, right? Yeah, yeah great. <laughs>
1: uh, all
0: right, now's the time for Secretary's Announcements.